Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show podcast, where we explore the walk of life. This is your host, Walker Near. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, as always, the music for today's show will be provided by Misha Zarin. So thank you, Misha, just like always, for providing the music. Pretty excited about the show that we've got for you today. Um, in the last few weeks, we've had a variety of guests and topics, just like always. You know, Dakota Grady talked about um, personal finance and budgeting and, and kind of taking control of your own personal finances with, with that and the fundamentals, if you will, of, of kind of budgeting. Then we had Luke Appleton come on and talk about investing in, in stocks and equities and Bitcoin. And again, you know, n- none of this is intended for you to to take the advice and and, and immediately go start taking action or, or something like that as much as it's just, I think it's interesting to talk about these topics. I think they're subjects that aren't talked about enough. And when they are, they're often talked about, frankly, just by salespeople. Um, and, and I think that Luke and Dakota were both examples of people who, who aren't just salespeople. I mean, yeah, Dakota has programs that he sells, but he, you know, wanted to have an earnest conversation about those things. And, and so this week, uh, we actually have a guest who is a serial entrepreneur himself, uh, and is, is known fondly now as startup Santa. Uh, he's, he's got a beard, although it's not quite that white, but so, you know, you've got, you've got taking control of your personal finances through budgeting, which could be the result of whatever income source you have. And and then you've got investing, which you can use money that maybe you've budgeted to invest with. But another another way that, you know, you can achieve financial goals and, and maybe financial freedom is through through entrepreneurship. Uh, and maybe maybe it's not maybe it even isn't even financial freedom. And I, I say that not because I don't think it's possible, but just because the point isn't necessarily about having some super lofty goal or expectation, but just that this is another way the world works, right? It's not always, it's not all just what we've seen. Um, and I get that a lot of people are entrepreneurs too, so it's not like this is secret information or something. But um, again, you know, most of the people I know are employees, myself included, and entrepreneurship is, is an interesting topic. So the guest we have today is Robert Blackledge. Um, Robert is building the Lakeland ecosystem in Lakeland, Florida, and continues to have a pretty significant impact there. Um, he's contributed to a lot of different groups, um, talks with a lot of different entrepreneurs, has been involved in over a thousand entrepreneurs, you know, journeys, um, and and has had many businesses himself, which he talks about all that, you know, in, in the episode. Um, really just, I, I met Robert in Orlando, and he was a, a very grounded guy. He's just one of those people that when you meet him, you can tell he's not looking for anything from you, you know, like he's just a genuinely nice guy who is just interested in, in talking to people and helping people and, and interested in, in creating, which is really kind of what entrepreneurship is all about. But I was really flattered for, for Robert to, to be willing to come on the show. I was very generous of him to, to lend us his time. And I think you'll really enjoy the conversation that we had. So without further ado, let's get on to the conversation with Robert. Welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. Robert Blackledge, thank you so much for joining. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. So um, we actually met in Orlando down at PodFest, um, which was just a, it feels like it was like eight months ago, but it really was just in March, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but this pandemic thing made time 
skew for everyone, I think, right? Yeah, I, I stopped counting the days. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at first it was kind of quaint to like, you know, day 15, and then <laughs> after a point, you kind of just like, up on that. Say Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> right. <laughs> How many days have it been since I shaved? All right, all right, I'll shave again. <laughs> oh, man, it's crazy. Um. Yeah, so so you are based in Florida, is that right? I am. I'm in Lakeland, Florida, which is just between Orlando and Tampa, right there in the middle. That's uh, pretty cool because we get to engage in not only our local uh, demographic and metro, but we get influenced by both those big mega megaplexes of communities. And seeing the interacting uh, nature of the communities is really cool. Yeah. So. Um... So you yourself are a, a, would you call yourself a serial entrepreneur? Is that? Is that I am. Right? I've had 10 companies at this point. Wow. Uh, yeah. So just a few. Uh, really, it's been a phenomenal journey for me. I've had companies in, in numerous different industries, everything from when I was a little kid, I sold candy on the bus to a landscaping company. I've had restaurants. I have owned a machine learning company and a wide variety of different uh, companies. Recently, it's, I'm working on a nonprofit that I have called Entrepreneurs Matters and really focusing on the events that in inspire people to be entrepreneurs. Uh, a while ago, I, I owned a half a million dollar restaurant business before I was 30, which was wild. Uh, we had yeah. two locations, 14 employees. We were doing a quarter of a million dollars in catering. So we were delivering, doing setups, just moving uh, a massive amount of logistical uh, stuff uh, or the mechanics of launching that business and maintaining it uh, were pretty immense. And I ended up losing it all to a bad partnership. Mm. Yeah, that was, yeah. that was crazy. Um, something like that. You, you really have to pour your heart and soul into. I had 80 hour weeks plus, I mean, 120 was kind of 80 to 120 was the average amount of hours of labor that I was putting into the business. Um, on top of all the other employees that were there on top of everybody else. So we were doing uh, just a ton of work to get that going. And then I, I essentially lost it all in a very short amount of time. It was, it was gone. My business partner took 60 grand out of the business bank account and, and spent it on business debt. So he decided he wouldn't want to be a part of the business anymore. Uh, if, and we were 50, 50 partners. I didn't have a really good operating agreement. I didn't, it was one of my earlier ventures. I didn't really know quite know what I was doing um, as far as the structure of the company. Uh, and I, you know, we just walked into this mess where I, I didn't, my hands were tied. There was nothing I could really do to, to make him uh, undo what he had done. And because it was technically a 50% owner and it was business expenses. So there was no legal actions that I could take mm -hmm. and the business was gone. And so for me, this was the first time, um, the first thing that I had done since I got out of the military where I really was had bitten my teeth into it again, really put something into the world that I was excited about and proud to be a part of. And the loss of it was incredibly devastating. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that sounds harrowing. Um, <laughs> well, so to, and that's part of the reason that I was honestly excited to have you on was that you know, here on the walk show, we've talked a lot over the last several months. I've had life coaches, I've had a psychologist on, an author, 
Um, I had just the episode isn't aired yet at the time of this recording, but I think it will be by the time this comes out. Um, but a guy who does personal finance coaching, right? And and that's kind of an area like I've I've done a lot of like the personal development and, and again the kind of mental health kind of side of things. But something we haven't talked a lot about is business and finance. Um, and so I think that it's just uh, I, I call it serendipity because I I <laughs> I guess like to believe in coincidence <laughs> more than destiny. But it's crazy how things line up sometimes. Um, yeah, I, one of my I, I, so. I can't remember if it's my motto or my ethos. I have a motto and I have an ethos. <laughs> One of them is intentional or persistent passion, intentional serendipity. Mm. And I'll break that apart for you. Most people are passionate about their sports team, right? They have something that they care about and that they want to support them. They can even be persistent and watch them every Sunday or whatever day they play every week. You see that all the time. That in my mind is persistent passion. You care deeply and you're consistent about engaging in it. But mm -hmm. what is really magical and the piece that most people miss is the intentional serendipity, right? If you love your sports team, you're watching them every weekend. It's not until you intentionally go out and engage with that team, you tweet at the players, you go to the games, that the world responds and you end up in the dugout or you end up meeting your favorite player. It's that intent that you're putting out there that allows the world to respond to it. And that's where the serendipity comes into play. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, that's nice. I like that. I might steal your ethos and your motto, um, <laughs> but not on this podcast, not on this episode. It'll be a different episode later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, so it's really interesting to hear you talk about the 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 struggle that you had, you know, with the, the failed partnership. Um, so I, I tried a, to start a business, uh, 2013, uh, me and a good friend of mine started a, a, do you know what 1-800 got junk is by chance? The junk removal company. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we just literally copied their business model and then lowered the prices slightly and then just tried to serve our local market, which is Springfield, Missouri, which is not very big. Um, and yeah, I mean, did it for a solid, you know, two years, uh, had, you know, we're in the mastermind, local masterminds of business group and, and had relationships there and were there weekly, um, went to all sorts of different events like that to try and network with local business people, um, did trade shows, did flyers, you know, just really tried to do everything we could and just ultimately couldn't figure out really how to, how to market it effectively, which is maybe the, the, the biggest challenge to all business, right? I don't know. Um, but yeah, so it, you know, it ultimately kind of dissolved um, just because we didn't have enough incoming revenue and expenses were just the expense of life was starting to mount. Um, luckily, we didn't have any debt or anything. We didn't take any loans out. So walking away wasn't, you know, too painful other than you know, we put everything we had into it for a couple of years, like I said. So it, it was painful in that way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's interesting because I I certainly can understand, at least intellectually, the <laughs> the 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 power and the, the the empowerment maybe is a better word and the freedoms that being an entrepreneur comes with or can lead to. But I mean, I got to tell you, man. You know, when you talk about 120 hour weeks at the restaurant, like that that's not real appealing. You know what I mean? And yeah, I mean that, that I think was very early on in my entrepreneur journey. I think mm -hmm. you, um, I think it, you entrepreneurs are a little bit of a different breed. I think there's two things to that. I think everyone can be entrepreneurial 
Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing to use that mindset in what you're doing and can have big impacts in what you're trying to achieve. But an entrepreneur, in my mind, and there's a lot of uh, debate over what, a, what an entrepreneur is, and but the person that I'm talking about is the person that creates something from nothing. Right? I've been in a, a lot of different kinds of businesses, franchise, uh, copying other models, but the, the hardest and most difficult thing, uh, other than being a parent, was <laughs> taking something that didn't exist and bringing it into the world. That exercise is so demanding on every single aspect of what you're doing. Um, it takes all your skill sets and all the skill sets of all the people you know and can get to buy into what you're trying to achieve and do. That is a almost insurmountable piece of work, but the biggest piece to it is just taking it down, breaking it down into small manageable goals and start knocking them out. To get to your point of 180 hour work weeks, <laughs> I, well, 120, but sure. <laughs> 60 of it was probably learning. Right. And, implementing processes and developing processes and, and making it so that it was easier to work in that closer to 40 or 80 work week. You're, I think you're always going to work more as an entrepreneur than you would ever work working for somebody else. The difference is, is it doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. Most of the time you're doing something that you love. You're engaging in and making an impact in your community and those around you. And you have the ability to not only impact the lives that are immediately around you, but lives that go well beyond yours. And you have the financial freedom. Hopefully you have some freedom in that, right? It's you who wake up in the morning and decide that you're going to go and do work on your business, or you're going to go spend time with your kids, or you're going to go and try to drum up new business. That I, I think a lot of people mix up entrepreneurship with, with the lack of work. And that's the, the four hour work week exists, but that's not the bulk of it. The bulk of it, is your your people that are driven to bring something into this world that wake up every morning happy and excited to bring that thing, right? A baker every morning, 3 a.m., making bread, delivering it to the community. That's an entrepreneur. That bread doesn't exist without them. If there's not there to make it or they don't have people that work for them to make it, it doesn't get to you at your home. And that ethos, it takes that, that drive, that passion, the the community that you have to create around you, right? The relationships that you have to make to make that possible, I think is at the core of it. There's two things that I see when you talk about most common mistakes for entrepreneurs. Mm. One is uh, it's never ready. So don't try to make it perfect. And two, your customer is always right. And when I say that, I caveat, I don't mean they're always right about what you're trying to do. You have to believe in the core thing that you're trying to achieve, but with a mindset of not loving the solution, but loving solving the problem that the person has, right? Mm -hmm. And the only person that can tell you what their problem is and whether or not they'll pay you for the solution you have is the customer. So earlier on, the sooner you can start having those conversations and start building those relationships, building the community around what you're trying to achieve and get those champions and cheerleaders for what you're trying to do, the better, right? And then two, this, the quickest and most viable, the MVP, the minimal viable product, the thing that you can get to them that solves their problem that they'll pay you for, right? Those two things make the foundation of a company, revenue and customers, right? 
product and customers and being able to deliver and connect those two. And you will always evolve your product. It will always change, right? Bakers are making new types of bread. They're making new products. They're engaging, you're evolving, they're solving new problems. And your customer will always have evolving needs. So getting really good at making sure that you're always matching up or, or you know, Apple foresees those needs before you need them, right? That's the ultimate thing. You're right. creating the product they don't know they want before they ever get there and you're able to make those connections as quickly as possible or as strategically as possible. That's the next level. But at the very beginning, at the start, the thing that we forget to do, right? Your your kid, when you're a kid, when you're a child, you fall more times than you probably do in your entire life or pretty darn close to it. Mm -hmm. Just because you're still learning to walk. And it's that mindset of I fall, that didn't work. What can I change? What do I need to do differently to then try to take that next step? And you're going to fall a hundred times before you even get to that first step, but you have learned all along the way. Entrepreneurship's the same concept. I have a problem that I want to create a solution for, and I'm going to invoke people around me. I'm going to get those people to, to cheerlead for what I want to do so that I can get that feedback, create that solution that they will be invested in what I'm trying to create. Yeah, um, it, that certainly, obviously, that makes a lot of sense, um, and it, it is something that I have 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 put a lot of thought into. I guess um, trying to understand, I don't know, just what my my place in all of that is, um, because entrepreneurship, and not that this is like a personal coaching session for me or something, but just that, <laughs> just just trying to think about, you know, it like I said, it, it, it can seem very overwhelming. It can seem daunting. Mm. Um, but really the things that you just said kind of just line up with, I think how a, a person should or supposed to, isn't really what I want to say, but um, at least one, at least one way and the, <laughs> the best way I've identified to really just lead a healthy life, right? Like is this idea of, like you're going to mess up, whether that be in business or whether that be with your friend or your loved one or your spouse or whoever. Um, and it's the ability to not get hung up on on that and to to figure out a new way and figure out how you can adapt yourself to, to change, to, to meet that. It's just interesting how, how <laughs> these cliches... Um, just seem to come up in everything. <laughs> and and it, like it, the word cliche is unfair because they're not, it it's dismissive and it, it it's not to be dismissive. Like mm. it's something that's said over and over, but it's because it's just true. <laughs> I, li I like the word foundations. Yeah, right? there we go. <laughs> so one thing I've gotten really good at is working with entrepreneurs and helping them identify the foundations that they can stand on to start and grow their company so they can scale effectively. Um, the, there's a lot of key words in there that, but the, main point that I'm trying to get across is that you have all the skills you need to be successful as an entrepreneur. We're born with a lot of innate entrepreneur skills, but we haven't been taught how to leverage or engage on them, right? So yourself in that equation, there's a lot of self-discovery that has to occur for you to be able to know not only what your strengths are, which you're probably pretty aware of, but identify the weaknesses and then the last piece is filling those with people that you trust that can help you succeed at it funny enough co-workers are some of the best co-founders in companies 
because you've already worked on a professional level. So you know how you work with them and you know what skills they bring to the table and what they're going to be able to execute on and how. So that ability to look at yourself, be self-aware, understand why you do what you do, right? Simon Sinek's Golden Circle. If you haven't watched that, I highly recommend it. But knowing why you do what you do, how you do what you do, and then ultimately what you do, right? Most people know what they do. Some people know how they do it, but very few know why they do what they do. And it all leads back to it, right? I, I know... And I believe that entrepreneurship sets you free and education empowers you. So I believe I build how, right? I create entrepreneurial programming that empowers you to pursue your passion. What do I do? I have different events and different things that I I engage in, in educational programmings that I teach that all are focused on building you and giving you the resources you need to be successful, help you build the network, help you understand the foundations, help you validate your idea, help you move the concept forward. So it's, it's powerful in the fact that one, I believe that everyone has the capability to create something in the world. We do it every day. And two, if we can empower you with some pretty fundamental concepts that you may or may not be aware of, there's most people see some of it, but they don't see the whole picture. So let's give you the whole picture. You will be better at executing at what you're doing. It's, it's phenomenal. Over the last year I've seen, I've worked with entrepreneurs and went from zero companies. And I don't know if this is an idea I even want to go after to over a hundred employees, they're all contractors, but over a hundred contractors working on a concept that didn't exist six months ago. It's insane. The power of that growth and those concepts. contractors thing actually brings me to a question I had. Um, do you, I mean, so is it your belief that everyone should be an entrepreneur? If, if, you know, if obviously the world probably would never turn into that, but if possible, should everyone be an entrepreneur? So there should be no employees. Everyone should be a contractor of whatever services they offer. Right. So uh, let me, let me, when, when it comes to that concept, there's, there's two pieces I'd like to bring one. I think everybody should go through like two years of the military just and and I'm not talking about the military of today, but military esque, right? This is what it takes to be. Uh, this is your finances, this is your economies, the things that you should have gotten in your K through twelve, but didn't, right? And then this is how you live on your own. That's what happens in the military. Yeah, they they break you down, they they build your mindset, they rebuild you up in a different uh, focus because they have a mission that they're doing and they're achieving. But with that, it's also this is how you stand up and be on your own. This is how you exist in the world. And here's a fashion to do it in. So some sort of vehicle like that, that will empower people to be better prepared to engage as an adult. And then two, if you have the opportunity to work for an entrepreneur, do it. There's visionaries are a small subset of people, right? There's, there's one to two to a top 5% of people who are really good at identifying the overlaps between uh, sectors and identifying solutions that solve a problem. But what's really powerful is that they 
stop there. They're visionaries. They have the idea. They have the concept. This is kind of the role that I sit in. I can see the strategy. I can see the overlays. I see the Venn diagrams and where they meet and identify the solutions and the strategies to execute. But I'm not the guy that's going to sit at the computer all day and create that code that's going to create the solution. So I have to partner with people to be able to create that solution and bring it into the world. You're just as much as an entrepreneur, as a developer, as a marketer, as a salesperson, as you are the founder of the company, right? Mm. There's there's different skill sets and different mindsets, but that early stage of a business, that creation is the time that a business is more is spinning its wheels more than any other time in the life. Once you have moved beyond, we're trying to make revenue every month over month, and you move into uh, beyond a startup and into small and, and even medium-sized businesses, the structures that have to exist for you to be able to grow uh, become very corporate. And you lose that flexibility, that adaptivity, the entrepreneurial mindset, and you have to put a lot of structure behind it and uh, well, I understand why they're there and, and it makes sense. And it, you couldn't get to the scale of Coca-Cola without basically a bunch of structure underneath it to make it execute. Mm-hmm. It is those startups and those early companies that were the decision that founder makes or that, that founding team makes decides the course of the history of the company, mm-hmm. right? Then you literally, and, and you're going to fail, right? And that's the piece that most people forget. 80% of startups, but it depends barriers for industry right when people are going to balk up the number but let's just say a large percent sure. of companies fail and but what's crazy is they represent 98 percent of the gdp so if you have one of the most powerful ecosystem um, economic development tools in the world entrepreneurship and you have the majority of people failing but they represent this huge amount of gdp that's why covid so scary because this 98% of the GDP is at risk. Mm. They're the ones that are going to go under potentially that are going to stop gap. And it's going to create this immense vacuum. Once we get out the other side, there'd be a huge gap for people to fill those roles and those gaps. And those people are going to redevelop. It's the, the energy expended at the startup. It's, it's not a young man's game, right? It can, there's two ways of going at it. You either need to be really uh, risk-oriented and really have a ton of energy, or you have to have a team of people who know what they're doing. And I like Elon Musk as an example, right? As a, as a young kid, he started several companies. Some failed, some succeeded, some became massive successes. But at the underside of that, once he already figured it out and already had failed on the gap, he walks into Tesla takes every dollar he has in the bank and launches a company on future technology that doesn't exist. Right. Right. That's the end of the story. His whole journey was insane to get to the point where he can (laughs) confidently say, you know what? Every penny I got in the bank, I'm going to dump on this. And then I know that I have the people, the team to execute, to be able to deliver on what we're trying to do. So you're, you can get there. You can have that. You can, you can do a 20, 30, 40 year career. I've seen it. I've had one of the guys I helped had 20 years in, in tech building solutions and has then moved into uh, a analytics company, right? A machine vision learning uh, company where over the last six months a year, he's grown from himself to a five-man team mm. by refocusing on the fundamentals, right? By 
applying those business practices. He had has phenomenal technical technical talent, and then he needed that other side of the coin, which is the business and the piece that brings the the community together around what you're doing, so that you can execute at a much higher level. Mm. So it's it's powerful. It's engaging. It's it's the hardest thing you will do. I think the only thing that was harder for me. You know, I've been in the military, I've launched companies, I've, I've done hackathons, I've done, I've ran hackathons, like all these different events that just were incredibly intense and, 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 and demanding on myself. Uh, the only thing that was harder for me was when my twins were born. They're, they're uh, wild kids, brilliant, beautiful. I love them, but <laughs> parenthood is a whole nother thing. There's a solid six months to a year where that child or children they don't live unless you are actively engaging with them, right? Actively raising them, actively feeding them. Um, and then they're still very demanding, even though now they're at the point where they're asking for things and the demand is a little bit less. We've moved them out of cribs and we don't have bottles and we get my son, we got rid of his pacifier. So we're at this point now where the last thing to go really is the diapers before we just kind of move into, this is what it'll be for however many, you know, eight till we hit teens we're, we're right about that that next stage, but that was so much sleep depravity and hard work and focus. Uh, <laughs> that was the hardest thing I did, but everything else, entrepreneurship is pretty darn close. You are creating something that dies if you don't wake up in the morning and work on it and put energy into it and drive it. And a lot of the things you do, you don't see results this week. You don't see results next week. It's three, four or more months out before you start seeing the response or the engagement and the activity. Um, I think a podcast is really cool to see. You can very low barrier to entry, Mm -hmm. but it's the amount of work and energy and execution that you apply to it that gives you that feedback. So mine, I just started a few months ago and I, it was just recording, um, getting friends together, talking about their entrepreneur journey, focusing on what they're doing. I, and I hadn't really put a lot of effort into it, just kind of posted once a month. But now I'm at a point I did uh, because of COVID, I'm home more. I have more time. Um, and I, I started editing the shows. I started putting trailers out. I started engaging. And you just see the spike, right? Effort goes in, effort comes out, right? Response and engagement. And so everything you do is that way. At the core of it, how much are you willing to risk? What is your level? Like, if you know that, if you know, one, why you do what you do, and two, what you're willing to give up to get it, you have a stop point. Okay, we've reached it. I, six months was what I had to give to this, and it, we're here, and we're not generating revenue. It's not going to work. I'm going to put this to bed. I'm going to go do something else, right? But even just have it's so empowering knowing that you're doing this because you believe in it, and two, you you know where your stopgap is. Hey, we got to put this to bed. We'll come back in three years or whatever. Um, the hard truth of it is, is whatever you think it's going to take, double it and then double it again, and then you're maybe close to what you're going to take to get into <laughs> it. Um, so your your timelines and your money and everything else that, that go into what you're doing that's just kind of a good rule of thumb. But if you can if you can stomach that loss, then your confidence goes way up because. Mm-hmm. At the very beginning, you're setting the the line in the sand that you're not willing to cross, and you're you're communicating that, especially if you have a spouse, right? If you have a family, if you're doing that, sitting them down and saying, "Look, this is where I'm comfortable going. This is how far I want to take this. 
Are you comfortable with that? Do you agree to this? And then you're all on the same page of, okay, we're going to do this for a year. This is how much money we have in the bank. If we draw it down past this, it's done. If we, if we hit to the year and we don't have a customer, we're done. Like these are the things that we're going to be able to go for and go after. And if we aren't going to make it, then I'm going to, you know, at this point, I'm going to start looking for a job. And I've done that with my wife. Look, if we don't have some money coming in in six months of some sort, funding, customer, you name it, uh, I'm going to go start looking for a job. And then, you know, you get the funding and you're all right, six more months, let's do it. This is where we're going. This is the next thing. And then again and again, but you're, you're setting those clear lines in the sand that help you, help you understand what your risk is, where you're able to go. And if that, it's okay for that line to move, but you need to communicate that with everyone that's important in your life. Hmm. No, that, um, yeah, that all makes, that all makes a lot of sense. Um, it's, so, I mean, it, like you'd said it before, I mean, it sounds like a lot of, of what goes into entrepreneurship is really a lot of, I think you used the phrase earlier, self-discovery, but really being in tune and, and, and honest and aware of what's possible, what you're willing to do and, and, and not being idealistic about that because it's easy to get lost in that, <laughs> that idealism. Yeah. It's, it's the beginning, right? That's the, that's step one, right? Step there's. 20, 80 other steps, right? You can get in the mechanics of what you're trying to do. You can lay out the financial uh, financials of it. Do they make sense? This is what I do. The one of my favorite thing to do with entrepreneurs, once I have them talking to their customers and understanding why they do what they do, they're really getting into the financial numbers that they have or the concepts. Um, there's a really cool uh, equation that I run them through based on how much they want to make that lets them understand how much they need to make an hour based on the number of hours they want to work, how much they want to make and so on and so forth. So we, we get a good grounding. Okay. This is how much you need to make an hour. Now can your business do that? Right. How much does it cost you to your cogs, right? Cost of goods sold. What is the cost of the product you to deliver it to the customer? Say it's five bucks. Okay. How much can you sell it? Okay. 18 bucks. Here's your gross. Now take that and, and apply it out. How many do you have to sell a day? How many do you have to sell a week? And you can do forecasting that tells you, this is how far we'll get if we have our sales. If we have a good month, okay, it carries out three months and we're good for three months. We have a bad month and we're, we're run out of money in two months. This is uh, the mechanics of what you're doing, the, the nuts and bolts of your business. So early on, it's let, let's understand who you are and why you're doing what you're doing because this is going to be hard. So if you don't know that, you're not going to make it to the point where we can really get into your business. You're not going to be confident and believing and passion driven to start executing on the the hard stuff the 80 hour work week plus of you going out and trying to sell this and and understanding whether or not that worked or that didn't even in marketing and sales right you have to know what your kpis are you have to know where the things are that if you do this does it end up in the result you want and if not why not how did the where were the mechanics of it does my funnel meet where i'm trying to go so I talk a lot with the fundamentals early on with people just because that's that hits 80, 90% of people. That's where you're dealing with, right? Why am I, why would I even care about being an entrepreneur? The other part of it is, okay, now that you're serious and you've taken action on your idea and you want to get some, you want to actually be successful, let's break it all apart and tear it all down so we can put it back together into something that makes sense, is delivering on the goals you're trying to achieve and helps you achieve the, the growth that you're trying to get. And then after that, it's uh, mentorship, guidance, and accountability. How do we hold you accountable to what you said you were going to do? 
Um, a lot of that is masterminds. They're really good at doing that. You group of people uh, in similar or slightly different stages and in different industries. Uh, you just hold yourself accountable to the goals that you're setting and you're talking about fundamentals to help support that. And then after that, you're, okay, how do we make more money? We've, we've set this revenue. It's really good. We're making decent money. We know the mechanics of it. We understand every bit of it. What's the next step or stage for our business? And that's three to five years. So whenever we started um, the the junk removal company that I talked about at the beginning of our conversation, um, one thing we did was we went to uh, SBA's SBA website, and they have a program called SCORE, um, which was at least here in, again, Springfield, Missouri area, local volunteers that are business leaders um, would, they put on a, a session that was, I think, five or six weeks long, where it was one night a week. It was like a two-hour class where they walked you through how to write a business plan and all the questions that you should be asking and what they called like a go or no-go decision, like where you're basically doing this whole business plan, not once you've decided to do the business, but to decide if, you know, if you want to do the business. Yeah. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on that? I, look, um, I don't particularly care for SBA or SCORE. Okay. They can be phenomenal resources, but they can also be very terrible resources. And that, that it's like going to McDonald's and one McDonald's, you have the best hamburger you can ever have. <laughs> and you go right. to another one a mile or a hundred miles down the road. And it's the worst hamburger you've ever had. Um, I, I, the, you sure plan, right? There's, you, if you don't plan, you, you plan to fail. I think that's a big part of it, but Ultimately, you will learn more about your business and the thing you're trying to do if you get your first customer. Mm. That first customer will tell you whether or not this is a concept that will they'll pay you money. Because if you can't get that first customer, then why sit there and plan for six weeks? Why sit there and figure out a business that may or may not exist? Go see if it works. Go see if you can get that. And you don't even Dropbox didn't have a product when they launched. One of the biggest web-based companies in the world launched with a video explaining what they wanted to do. And they had more signups. I forget the number, but a ridiculous amount of signups after that video dropped because the concept they had was a pain point that most people had and they got the traction right off that. Then they went and built it. Why build a solution, right? This is what I'm talking about when I talk about problem solving, falling in love with problem solving, not the solution you're creating because if you're talking to customers and you go, even, even if I sit here and talk to you, right. Listening to this podcast, what is one thing in the every day that you wake up in the morning and if it was different, you'd be happier. 
right? That's the problem I want to solve. That's mm-hmm. the problem I care about. And we, how do I know it's even a problem to go after? Are you currently paying someone else for a solution that you don't like? That's mm-hmm. the key customer because one, you have a pain that is so much a pain. You're paying for solutions that don't answer your problem. And all I have to do is find a better, it doesn't even have to be cheaper, just a better solution. So for your junk company, if you had gone to the people who were using 1-800-GOT-JUNK and you asked them what they didn't like about it and had them tell you a story, tell me about the last time you had junk removal for your account, for your home or whatever that use case. Mm-hmm. If they didn't have it, they're not your customer, potentially, right? There's a potential that they have the problem and they don't know. They don't know, they're not aware of it. And so then you're stepping into, I have to educate you on the problem that you have. And that is an expensive journey to go down. You want to mm-hmm. find the person that has a problem that's paying for a solution and doesn't like 1-800-JUNKS. And then you want to create a product that solves that. And then if you're able to do that and you're able to find multiple people that have the problem, because ideally you've talked to, so I use this problem, it's called 10SQ, a backup. How do you... How do you expand upon, okay, one guy, great, no big deal. That one guy is 100 people, right? Can you find 100 people that have a similar problem that you can create a solution for and expand upon that? But the goal is is that exercise of finding that person and figuring out whether or not you have a solution that they want, that exercise you get really good at as an entrepreneur. And so you're going out and you're finding 100, 200, 300 people. And you're saying, hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm working to find a solution for this, right? I have a junk removal. I know that you use 1-800-JUNK. You said you had these problems. There's a bunch of people that are saying they have these problems. I'm going to go work on a solution. Do you mind if I come back and ask you some more questions later once I get a little bit further down the road? Right there, you found somebody who's paying for a solution that's a potential customer and you've lined up the T for the next level. I mean, it's ultimately a sale, but Mm -hmm. you're doing it in a way that's building the relationship that's bringing them along the journey that's engaging them as a, not only a customer, but a relationship as a person, as, as a human being that you care about because you care about the problem they have and you want to create a solution that's better than the one they're using. And the end result is you've got a hundred, 200 people right out the gate that's signed up to use your service without you ever. Only thing you spend is your time and energy, right? There's no money in that. There's no cost. And obviously you want to do these conversations as in person as possible, but right now that's not ideal, right? So you're doing right. Zoom calls. I would, I've seen people doing Zoom calls. I've seen web conferences. I'm working with speakers to help them reinvent that conference feel, right? The organic connections, the relationships that you create within the community of people that go there, but only, not only that, but a phenomenal engaging webinar not just somebody staring at you at the camera i mean being able to let them walk around the room and have the camera follow them change scenes change angles just kind of a production level engagement and so Mm -hmm. that is relationship focus what is the consumer what is the customer why do they go one and two what do they want to experience when they're there and if you focus on the customer that is giving you money because that's the key thing. If they're not going to give you money, they're not your customer. Stop focusing on them. Right. You're able to start creating solutions that have a much bigger reach that have, that's how 1-800-JUNK started, right? He was driving <laughs> along the road, saw a pile of junk and said, hey, I got a truck. I'll load your junk up. Like, it blew up into this massive multi-million dollar company because he saw a problem that somebody had 
and he created, he went and had a conversation. He said, Hey, look, you have junk. I'll take it for you. Right. That's right. Potential customer right there connected. He did a sale. Step one, make a sale. Yeah. I think, you know, in, in, in having this discussion and thinking back on it, I mean, the truth is, is that we didn't really try and come up with a way to innovate. Like we weren't really trying to solve a problem other than being cheaper, but the, the truth of, of junk removal on the surface, it seems like, well, you just need a, uh, you know, a truck and access to a landfill or whatever, way more <laughs> goes into it than that. It's way more of a logistical yeah. thing. Oh, it. absolutely. It's a logistical nightmare. Right. The, 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 the two things that, for whatever reason people lean directly to is I'm going to compete on price. I'll just be cheaper. That's the worst game to play. I don't want to be cheaper. I do not. Because what does that guy, what does 1-800-JUNK do? They just lower their price, right? That's the thing about the internet's the greatest example of that. You know why ISPs will never have comp major competition in Time Warner? Because one, it costs a ton of money to set up an internet company. But two, if you ever do, all Time Warner is going to do is take a loss They'll drop the prices way down and you'll never be able to compete. Right. Because they're already in a ton of markets and they have, there's just no way to do it. And that's right. the same thing with any one, anytime you're competing on price, the main competitor who's already established, who doesn't have startup costs, who doesn't have this immense um, uh, learning curve for most people to get into it. They're mm -hmm. just going to reduce their costs, lower their margins and move into the market. There's, there's, there's two things to it. People pay on perceived value, not on cost. So don't tell them what it costs. Share the value and ask them what they would pay for it. You're connecting at a better level. You're equalizing mm -hmm. on, um, I mean, they don't change your price for everybody, but when you do that a few times, you get a good feel of it. You have an understanding and then look at your market. Are you at crazy above it? Okay. Well, you got a better, pretty good at explaining the value you're offering and, why you're more, but if you're just a little bit more, I mean, you can be, you can clearly define, this is what our competition does. This is what we do. And this is why we're better. Uh, and if the, the only thing that matters at that point is that you deliver on that better thing, right? You're the same as these guys, except for this. All right. This is the one point that you need to be perfect at, right? If you are an HVAC company and you say, we're just, we're, we're high tech, we're certified, we're doing all this stuff, right? You meet up everybody, but we always wear shoe protection when we come to the house what are you telling them you're telling them you care right you care about where their home is about whether their environment and then you care about keeping it clean and that sends a lot of information but if you show up at the house and you don't have those shoes covers on you've not only blown it for that customer you've blown it for the 10 neighbors around them that they're going to tell or the 100 others right right so you have to be very cognizant, right this is where we get back to the fundamentals know what your message is know why you do what you do and focus on that and make sure it carries through everything else that you're doing. Mm. Um, another thing that, that comes to mind uh, in my own attempt at being an entrepreneur, uh, a book that I thought at least was was pretty insightful, um, but I'm curious to see what your thought on it is, was the the E Myth mm. um, by like Michael Gerber. Um, the E Myth stands for the entrepreneurial myth, and it's it's basically the idea that it doesn't take it's, it's not necessarily like a special type of person that becomes an entrepreneur as much as it's a, a systemized approach. Um, what is your, what is your thought on that? Uh, there's a lot of systems, right? I, I think the piece that 
he missed on is that we're all entrepreneurial. And mm-hmm. so I can take you, no matter who you are, and give you some pretty decent fundamentals that will help you be successful, right? If we go and walk through what you want to achieve and set those goals and identify the gaps that you have in it, uh, you'll be more likely to be successful than if you just stepped out on your own, right? If you have structure to follow, that's what makes veteran veteran entrepreneurs are insanely more successful because we're used to processes and businesses at their core is, can I create a product that you want to buy? And in order to do that, it's a bunch of processes. I have to understand what it goes takes to deliver that at a consistent quality, a consistent product every time to that customer. And then I have to figure out how to get more customers. And all these systems are built around it because once we get to scale, you have to have systems. So Facebook is a system. Google is a system. These are tools that we're using. And the better you are at using those tools, the more effective you'll be as an entrepreneur. So I, I agree that anyone could be a successful entrepreneur. The piece that I think is missed is that most people are already entrepreneurial. They're just not, it's not awakened, right? It takes that, um, those systems, a lot of times are an easy path to helping you awaken that mindset and help you start thinking like a entrepreneur. Um, Ice House is a good one. And I don't have my, my books. We just moved not too long ago and I haven't set my books up, but uh, Ice House is a really good one that follows that line of like, how do you think like an entrepreneur? I really mm-hmm. like Founder's Dilemma. That's a phenomenal one to help you see what people have done in the past to create teams that have failed and then what they've done to create teams that succeeded. And then if you're going after venture capital, I really like Venture Deals. Uh, it lets you see the other side of the story and understand how the investor is thinking about you as a company to invest in. So you get that holistic view when you're trying to engage uh, fundraising. So yeah, it's interesting the, the connection, and I mean clearly it's just present in your own life, but but also as you just shared with with other entrepreneurs as well, and the connection with the military because when you think of entrepreneur, well, I said when you when I think of entrepreneurship, um, again it, it you know you, you're your own boss and and you're the one, and not that it again not that I have any illusions that that doesn't mean that you don't work a lot, but you are the one in charge of everything ultimately. Uh, or at least most of it, I guess. Um, whereas when you come from the military, that's coming from an environment that's the opposite of that, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're not really in charge of, I mean, you're, everything is kind of prescribed. So it's interesting, I guess, just th- to think that coming out of such a a structured environment lends itself to what on its face maybe looks like an unstructured environment, 
but your point is, is that actually to be successful as an entrepreneur, it needs to be a very structured environment. Yeah. It, it always starts out chaotic, but if it mm-hmm. doesn't, that chaos has to settle. You can't, I mean, it's a caveat the, all these things, there are exceptions to, but most businesses cannot survive on chaos. They survive on structures because the faster that you can turn that wheel of, I have a product, I have a customer that needs it connect, right? That is the cycle of your business. Whatever that service or product is, whatever that customer needs are, the more customers you can connect with that and deliver, the faster you can do it, the better you will be as a company and the more likely you will be to survive. And there's there's caveats. I really like the model of the, the more relationships that we can create, the more successful we will be long-term, right? The, the kind of the beam corporate model of we're giving back to the community, we're engaging. But at the core of it, a business is, if I don't have value, I like that value is a good term. If I don't have value that or perceived value that you want, you won't give me value in exchange for it. And a mm-hmm. lot of times people see that as money, but it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even have to be money. It can just be, we're gonna, I'm, you're going to give me something in exchange for what I'm going to give you. And if that doesn't happen, you're not in business. You're just a creative. You're uh, just trying to make something in the world. You're not a business and that's okay. But it's there when you're talking about, do I want to take something from a hobby right to a business, something that generates revenue? It's how do I take all those things that I did uh, at a, a lower intensity and really focus on the process that it takes to make that regularly? One of my favorite ones that we just did, uh, it was a jam company and she's called We're Jamming. She, we're right here in Plant City. We're with phenomenal fruit and she makes these really wicked <laughs> cool new jams right she's got one called kicking jalapeno or kicking strawberries it's jalapenos and strawberries right mm. unique jam flavors that just are, are mind-blowing and good and your her whole concept she could make she was like i can only make eight jars at a time and i was like oh she wanted to go wholesale i'm like you want to go wholesale you need to make like 40 50 000 jars at a time <laughs> like, how right. do you where is that's a huge gap and in the, I think I worked, we, we had a nine week course. So in the nine weeks she went from, she doubled and then doubled. I think she doubled her batch three times. And then it was like, I got these big pots and forgot to buy the spoons and then COVID hit. So she's there. She's like, I'm making as much as I can stir with my old spoons. <laughs> but it's really cool because just that conversation of, okay, this is where you want to go. What does it take to get there? That's like 40,000 and you're at eight what steps and then we started focusing on okay this is the recipe this is what it's like it this is multiples this is this process it takes that i go through so that i can hire someone to then train them on how to do this because ultimately if i go and i'm in chaos mode right i'm just making jam because i want to create something in the world that's really cool that people love and people love my jam so we'll go and make more jam more jam more jam jam oh i had 100 orders okay i I'm scrambling all around the kitchen. But if you walk into that like a business, like this is what it takes to make jams. This is what it makes to make 36 jams. This is what it makes to make 100. Okay, go to the store. Go get me, or not even, now you can order it, right? Yeah, but delivered all the products, the produce, or you know in your head, okay, I can't take that order because I have 120 boxes of blueberries and it needs 300. You're Mm. building systems around what you're doing. And then as you scale and grow as a company, that's really... To go from chaos to small business is process implementation and design mm-hmm. and creation and understanding not only what does it take to create the product, 
but what does it take to get the customer and make that delivery like full cycle from the point that the customer orders so the creation of the product the whole how did the customer hear to us do they now a customer do i deliver it and then the story after of how do i get them to be a customer again full cycle mm. that is all process implementation because initially right. in the beginning you're just trying to find that customer once you've gotten beyond that and you understand who your customer is and you know what they want and you know how to deliver it, you start defining it. And some of the best entrepreneurs are the ones that document early on. You see it time and time again, these entrepreneurs that step into kind of a small business phase and they're recreating the process every time. The growth potential for somebody who's spinning the wheel because they haven't sat down and wrote out the process is exponential because they've gotten the hard, the hard parts figuring out who the customer is and what to give them. Once you've done that, you have a business. The next mm-hmm. step is making it a repeatable process so that you can become more than just you and the customer. You become you and your team, you and many customers going mm-hmm. from one to one to one to many and many to many. Right. Use right. Technical terms. <laughs> well, that's, um, yeah, no, that again, make, makes a lot of sense. So um, I guess on the question, you know, especially given the, the scenario we find ourselves in now with the pandemic and, and like you kind of spoke to earlier, the, the unfortunate um, just job loss that we're going to see coming out of this. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are, are interested maybe in trying to start entrepreneurial endeavors um, because they kind of find themselves at a maybe a spot to start new. Do you think that there are any criteria that a person should look to have in their own life, like a a certain financial stability or um, I guess I don't know what else it could be, but, but is there any, are there any prerequisites, I guess, that a person should try and check off before looking to become an entrepreneur or can anyone kind of jump in? I I think anyone has the capacity to to be an entrepreneur. And if you have the ability to do it, the questions that I would ask yourself is what am I willing to risk? What am I willing to give up? And two, who do I know that can help me achieve this? Right? Those are the two pieces that are, are pivotal or, or imperative because one builds confidence. Why and, and what? Why, why am I doing this? And what am I willing to give up to get there? And who can help me do it? That's the foundation of your business. Mm-hmm. If you're able and willing to go through that, and I mean, you're probably, you're going to go through your Rolodex and your significant other's Rolodex and your parents' Rolodex and your best friend's Rolodex. I mean, it will take a massive network. And I think that is why at the core of my beliefs is that relationships, either the relationships you either foster or don't create your world. Mm. And so early on, um, I got really good at building networks and creating relationships and developing and not just people that I knew, but people that I could call on people who are friends of mine, people who I have relationships who I can put my confidence in and uh, feel comfortable being vulnerable around that vulnerability is key to your success. Beyond that, that core, there are significant amount of resources. There are tons of content and people. And I think one of the things that is really empowering and amazing about entrepreneurship most, if not all entrepreneurs are willing to help you. 
they've been there. They know how difficult it is and they're willing. That's, that is why I do what I do. The core reason that I exist is because I believe that if I can help you overcome the mistakes and learn the lessons that I learned, you will avoid years, if not decades of pain and you will lead yourself to success. And that is just the most rewarding thing that I have found in my life is sitting down with entrepreneurs, helping them really get through the mud, see the clearer picture and start moving towards that goal they want to achieve. Mm. Do you have any, and, and this might be a totally irrelevant question um, and that's fair if it is, but do you, is, do you have any opinion on like if a business is a, is something that's actually delivering like a, a product, a good versus a service? Do you see there being any, any reason to consider that even, or, or just kind of whatever you find yourself in? No, I, I really think if you, this is, this is again, is the solution. It doesn't matter. It's the problem. Mm -hmm. Can you fall in love with solving the problem that they have? Because your solution might be a service and then might end up being a product or might end up being a product with a service. Right. Right. Now, most companies are going that way. They have some sort of base product that you can buy and then, I mean, their service is what's the next piece, right? Um, your, or the combination of, of the both, right? Online resources with the product that you purchase. Uh, sure. The, I, I forget the name of it, but there's a beehive that's super easy to use. Uh, you just turn a knob and the honey comes out. Mm. They saw a gap even in their own business model, right? So they launched, they got off the ground, they were a big Kickstarter, they, they got going, they had a product and they still saw another need that paired with it really well was there was no educational content around being a beekeeper. And so they've recently launched a whole online educational platform around being a bee. It's a monthly subscription where you get to sit down and work, right? So that's a service aired with a product. Um, those are Those are some of the coolest ones. But if you don't build the beehive, you never get to build the service that goes with it. And same as if I do a service and eventually I can build my, I can launch a book or I can do different things, right? Like you, they, they go hand in hand. The core gotcha. of it is just finding why you do what you, why you want to do it. And then can you start creating a solution that people will pay you for? And it will evolve on its own from there. As you build those processes, as things become automated, as things grow. And then when I'm saying this, I'm talking, it's three to five years. It's not, I go out and have a service business and tomorrow I find the, write the book on it. It's, <laughs> it's five years, 10 years of doing this. And then like, Hey, you know, we've got a lot of good content that we've created over the years. Let's condense this into a nice clean piece of, of content that people can have and, and consume. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, I, it's something that I try and do a lot with the walk show. Um, you know, we don't really have a, a centralized theme or topic, right? I mean, like I said before, we don't talk just about business or just about mental health or personal development. I have, I have an episode in defense of the matrix movies where a close friend of mine sit and, and, and do that um, and represent the matrix movies. But the second and third one get a bad rap is all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> you know, they're making a new one. I know. And I'm not very excited about it. Cause oh. I, <laughs> I mean, I want to be excited about it, but it's like, Eh, are you really going to make it better? Or are you going to do like what Star Wars did? Not the newest ones, but like the ones from the late 90s where everyone just felt bad that it happened. Uh, anyway, but but something I try and, and, and really push because it's, I guess, to your point, I'm not selling anything really here. <laughs> it's all free, but um, I, I really personally dislike 
the the constant sensationalism in the conversations and media, whatever you want to call it, that we can consume, because it makes it so hard to understand what's real or not, um, and and what to you know what what can you even trust because everything is so sensationalized, and and so something I try and do here is have conversations that are absent that sensationalism, and uh, and I just I mean you've done nothing but deliver <laughs> unsensationalized thoughts on this stuff and it, it's super interesting, um, so I I really can't thank you enough for that. So you're we talked at the very beginning you're based out of Florida, so are you really primarily available to people who are in that locality or are people from, from across the country, at least able to, to reach out to you? Sure. So I had a call with somebody from Finland last week. Oh, okay. Yeah. The whole world. Then. <laughs> yeah. So I'm pretty, pretty wide and agnostic. Um, I, I love technology. I've been live streaming for, for years, really essentially when it first started getting off uh, a lot of what I'm doing on the side now is helping people move into that world. Um, there's a the best way to get a hold of me is I have a public figure page on Facebook. It's under my name, Robert Blackledge. Uh, I have a course of my own podcast, the Startup Santa Show. It's more stories and and the journey that other entrepreneurs have gone on. And then you can always email me at Robert at entrepreneursmatter dot org. That's a great way to get a hold of me. And then you are more than welcome. Uh, all your listeners can connect with me on LinkedIn if they'd like. I have over 10,000 connections on there. I've been on there since they launched the platform. So become, be a part of my network, ask any questions you have. I kind of have a caveat, anything beyond 15, 20 minutes. I, I, I like to move it into kind of a consulting relationship, but the, the biggest mindset of what I have is I will teach you everything I know, but when you put me to work, I'm going to charge you. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Well, I appreciate you not charging me for uh, for this interview because you've I, I've definitely gotten more than twenty minutes out of you here. Um. <laughs> like it's a gray world. I but I I'm yeah kidding. I'm, yeah yeah no I I'm <laughs> at, at the heart of who I am it's all I I just believe in the in a rising tide raises all boats and sure. I truly am blessed to be a part of many 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 entrepreneurs journeys. Um, I think the number is well over a thousand at this point. So just being able to to look back and call and see those posts and, and, and see their growth and what they're able to do and what they've achieved. It's, it's heartwarming. And, you know, not all of them are successful. It's, it's, there's two things that are really cool. You are more likely to be successful if you have a mentor who has failed at a company than you are, if you have one that has never failed. Mm, that makes sense. Which is really cool. And then too, there's something humbling about being an entrepreneur, trying to create that. And then, and then getting hurt. You have to hear no time and time and time again. So you build this resiliency, this engagement, this mindset of, you know what, this is hard and it's only gets easier. The more people that believe in me and believe in what I'm doing. So this is a community that, um, especially if you're starting out, I would love to help you become a part of. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, again, folks, you can, you can get a hold of Robert on LinkedIn, on Facebook. Um, and I'll, I'll have links for all that stuff in the, the show notes so that the people are able to connect there. And then I'll also have your email available for anyone that wants to just, just maybe contact you directly. Um, not to be overly mushy or flattering or anything, but you know, I, again, I mentioned Orlando and, and just the, the limited time we had there together, you just struck me as a very earnest person. 
Um, and obviously that's come through today in the conversation. So I, again, really appreciate your time, Robert. Really thank you for stopping by. My pleasure. Have a good one. You too. folks well that's going to do it for the show today thank you so much to robert blackledge for joining the show i really enjoyed the conversation that we had thank you as always to misha for providing the music for the show and of course thank you listener for listening to the episode today i will also ask that you listen to my other show pick up your sticks which is co-hosted by myself and brett lindley pick up your sticks is a show all about video games we try and talk about why gaming matters So while we do talk about news and reviews and and current events in gaming, uh, we also just try and talk about the emotional connections that we have in gaming and and why we think it's so important. Uh, Just like film or TV or or books or any other entertainment medium that people take, you know, frankly, kind of seriously, we look at games in that same way. Uh, Pick Up Your Sticks is available anywhere podcasts are found, so highly encourage you to go and check that out. Um, And as always, remember you can interact with me, on social media at the Walk Show Podcast or Walk Show Pod. And you can always email me at walker at thewalkshowpodcast.com. Either way, appreciate the listen. Hope you have a great week. Stay up. Stay up.